Welcome to the Get Healthier Podcast with Rena Jadhav, who's on a quest to uncover breakthroughs and cures in living longer, healthier, and happier. Genetic testing, stem cells, rattling, talking to Silicon Valley geniuses and the best doctors in the world about the hottest products and programs to make you live an amazingly joyful life. Are you ready? Now, here's your host, Rena. Hey folks, it's Rena Jadav here with James Maskell, the author of the amazing new book, bestseller on Amazon, The Community Cure. James, welcome. Great to be here with you, Rena. Thanks for the opportunity to connect with your community. Oh, we're honored to have you here. So we're going to just dive right in. Why did you yeah. write the book? Yeah, so there's a few reasons. I mean, the, the reason that, it, uh, that I wrote the book is because, you know, I've been passionately involved in scaling up. Uh, the delivery of a new kind of medicine that's really focused on getting people well and keeping people well and sort of keeping people out of the medical system, um, focused on self-efficacy. So it's, uh, you know, there's different words for it, but functional medicine has been what I've been involved with for the last 10 years. And we built, you know, a huge uh, following online of doctors. We've been getting doctors to move and practice in this new way. But something, you know, really bugged me, which was that, not everyone could access this kind of care, even though we had a lot more doctors joining, you know, people, it was really only for the very rich, the very green and the very, very ill that would ever get this kind of care. And I think everyone needs this care. I mean, this is the, the future of chronic disease care. And um, I had been interested in, in community for a long time because I actually sort of come out of the closet in my book that I was born in a, in a commune in Colorado uh, and so I'd looked through medicine through that lens. And about five years ago or seven years ago, actually, I, I came across this idea of uh, a group medical visit and a functional medicine group medical visit. And straight away, I was like, just absolutely thrilled with this concept. And I thought this was, you know, definitely the future. But um, about a year and a half ago, I got to tour the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine, which is, I think, the most That's exciting fine. project uh, on the planet, really, because it's it's the first time that functional medicine is being done in a really uh, strong academic uh, center with a proven track record of innovation. And I saw the way that they were running it, which was essentially these extended group models, 10 weeks, two hours a week. And the results were so phenomenal. And not only the results for patients, but I could see that the providers doing it were loving their jobs and really excited about their work. And I was like, okay, I think this is going to happen. And this is going to be the structure by which uh, this kind of care makes it to all kinds of people. So I put a sort of an APB out to my whole community and I said, look, I want to meet anyone who's doing groups and I want to interview them. And the first interview that I did was with a doctor called Dr. Jeffrey Geller. And his story was so compelling that I was like, this has to be a book. And that was the beginning of it. Describe it. What's it like? How does it work? Yeah, so uh, essentially people are put, you know, you instead of having one-on-one -on -one patient visit, you know, you have about any, you know, I've seen examples of anywhere from six to 30 people, depending on how the structure works. But in the Cleveland Clinic, let's say it's about 12 on average, 12 people put into a cohort um, and they know that every week for two hours a week for the next 10 weeks, they're going to be in this cohort and they're going to learn how to take care of themselves. They're not just going to learn didactically, they're actually going to do it. So they're going to learn to meditate. They're going to learn to eat healthy. They're going to learn how to read their own labs. They're going to learn what good sleep uh, hygiene looks like. And they're also going to connect with each other. 
And some people in the second week become fast friends and some it takes five weeks and some it takes nine weeks, depending on your personality. But ultimately what's happening, Rena, in those sessions is, first of all, we're solving the biggest driver of all cause mortality and death, which is loneliness. And it's, you know, there's a lot of press and there's a lot of like interest in loneliness and people saying, well, loneliness and social isolation is a, is a huge problem, but I never seen anyone really doing anything about it and, and solving it. So the first thing is we're solving the isolation by introducing people to each other. And then the, the magic of it, because groups have been done for a while, you know, you look at alcoholism has been treated in groups since the 1930s. The magic of the functional medicine group visit is that once you have these people in a group, we focus their efforts on learning and actualizing healthy behaviors. And now you have like a synergistic uh, force where that uh, transformation via lifestyle change is not some aspirational thing that's really hard to do, but is actually like the obvious and consistent outcome of that experience. Let's talk about what is the difference between a single one-on-one -on -one medical visit, which is the conventional way today, and a group visit, uh, both from a practitioner standpoint and then also from a patient standpoint. Yeah, I mean, my, most of these stories of how these transitions occurred come because of a resource constraint. And in many cases, you can imagine a doctor, you know, they've got to see 16 people in an afternoon in you know, 90 minutes. And so everyone's getting six minutes per visit and they're rushing through seeing one person, you know, listening to them for 11 seconds before they cut them off. And then, you know, coming up with the prescription, giving it to them, answering any questions, writing a note very quickly, and then next room, next room, next room, next room. And, you know, that has caused moral injury for doctors. You know, it's caused burnout. It's caused, uh, you know, just a feeling of like not doing what they thought they were going to be doing when they came to medicine. And, and obviously for the patient, it's not working that well. They don't feel heard. They don't feel like they have an understand. They don't get to understand their issue. And so, you know, the, the solution that was created and, and this solution has been created independently. When you read the book, you can see like in everything from, um, you know, from cardiology to prenatal care to trauma care to you know all of these you know innovation happening and it's always as a result of a resource constraint where someone says i can't keep doing it like this yeah. what if we get all those 16 people in a room together for 90 minutes we'll still bill them for the 15 minute visit so they're getting a 90 minute visit for the cost of a 15 minute visit wow. and we'll just have you know we'll just have a discussion and you know there's always i think for most people because of maybe traumatic experiences that we've had being in groups before, like our family or our high school or, you know, maybe our first job. I don't think people automatically think, oh, that I really want to be in a group. Right. But what I hear over and over again is that once people have one group session, it can be incredibly cathartic because I think for most people, they've never met another person that's kind of like them, right? They, you know, if you're trying to wean yourself off psychotropic medication with your functional medicine doctor. Have you ever met anyone else who's trying to do that? You know, if you have autoimmune disease and you're eating autoimmune paleo, you know, have you ever met anyone else who has? And, and there's a real profound implication by introducing people who want to get better to each other and having them support each other. Absolutely. That's what we're doing at healcircles.org, right? We are creating a shared community around shared 
health challenges to allow folks to really find new friends, as we say, right? Find new friends that are on the same journey as you so much easier than trying yeah. to do this completely on your own. So um, uh, in terms of these group visits, the way you envision them, at present, you mentioned that they're covered by insurance. Um, can anyone practice? Can any physician get up one morning and do it? Or what are the restrictions around it today? Yeah, look, it's very easy, actually. You know, so, um, you know, there are, there are many different ways to do it. I mean, the Cleveland Clinic is soon going to start teaching doctors and, and, and other. So if you're a health system, you know, like a whole hospital system and you want to do it, I would imagine that going through the Cleveland Clinic training and, and seeing how they do it at scale would probably be the best way. But for individual health professionals, there are these group visit toolkits uh, that were founded by Dr. Shilpa Saxena, uh, who's an amazing physician, and she created them seven years ago and has added to them. So now there's 11 different clinical specialties. There are three cardiovascular, but there's like pain and gut and detox and all these different things. And, you know, in that packet comes the HIPAA waivers, right? The things that you need to get everyone to sign. A new kind of a soap note where you have actually the patients fill in the majority of their soap note uh, while they're in the group. Uh, so it helps with the sort of organization of it. And then, um, you know, lectures that you could give, you know, during the session. And so, you know, we've been, um, you know, they, that the organization that makes those uh, have become a sponsor of my, you know, my show, The Functional Forum, because I saw that this is the future and we need to, you know, get, get moving on this. And really, you know, the book, my, my goal with the book is that at the end of the book, if you're a health professional, if you're involved in medicine, like anyone can read it and think, I want to be part of a group and I should find a group of people so that I can either reverse my disease or um, stop myself from getting a disease. And maybe you want to join Heal Circles. But ultimately, you know, what I wanted to do with this book is that if the CEO of Kaiser read it, he would be like, oh my God, we should be doing this all the way through the organization to solve the social determinants of health, which are the goals that we have for our organization anyway. And this is a really efficient way to do it. And, um, you know, that, that would lead to the proliferation of groups. And ultimately the thesis is that lifestyle-driven chronic disease, which makes up 86% of healthcare costs, is much more similar to alcoholism than it is to getting an infection and should be treated as such. And of course, the analogy you're drawing there is the Alcoholics Anonymous group therapy, which has been proven to be successful for, for decades and generations. Correct. So you're really advocating that perhaps there's a model of group therapy that works. Share some case studies and some examples of super success that have inspired you to write this book. Yeah, so the, the first book, you know, Dr. Geller, who I interviewed, you know, he was inspired in 1997 as a resident. He, you know, he had a patient um, he, he, he realized that loneliness was the sort of differentiator between people who, you know, the same issue that could come up like a stubbed toe in one person would change their life and, you know, destroy their life for a period of time. And in some people it's, it's nothing. It's just like, Oh, it's fine. And loneliness was the key differentiator between those two things. So he was like, we need to treat loneliness. And at the same time, one of his patients had, um, invited him to a, a group that they had started un Un, un, mainly uninsured immigrants, super poor area of Boston, had a group called C2 Puede, and they would essentially um, meet every week and talk about health stuff. So he came in as the doctor, they would teach him things, and, and he realized straight away, first of all, he had no idea what it was like to be a, a, an immigrant without insurance. You know, he lived three zip codes away, and so he had an idea. 
And secondly, that, you know, they got a lot out of this group. And so that gave him the first idea for some of the very first sort of integrated medicine group visits. And, you know, now, you know, two years later, he's got 50 groups going in his practice every week uh, in every kind of topic imaginable. And he's got data on it. And that was like an amazing story because this was a doctor kind of realizing that he had to treat loneliness, but find, trying to find a way to do it in a way. Because if you start a loneliness group, you know, no one's coming to that. Right? <laughs> People need to have a reason to come. So that was one. But if you're looking for real inspiration and, and something that I think just hits on a human level, Jim Gordon is very famous for starting the Center for Mind-Body Medicine. And he has taken delegations to Gaza. Um, he's taken get, uh, delegations to uh, Puerto Rico after the hurricane and, and to, into uh, Bosnia and other places during the, you know, during the Civil War. And by doing mindfulness-based stress reduction in groups and teaching not just health professionals, but police officers and judges and community members to facilitate 11-week mindfulness-based stress reduction groups, they have been able to eradicate PTSD in 80% of the participants. So there's like the most traumatic thing you could ever imagine, like a war, essentially, and just you know seeing horrifying things on a daily basis and the power of group connection, talking things through, practicing mindfulness-based stress reduction techniques, that really hit me because, you know, this is not like something that is nice to do. This is like a serious intervention that has widespread implications right across the, uh, right across the medical system and is being used to 0% of its capacity right now, apart from heel circles and some of this, you know what I mean? Absolutely, because change is hard, right? We've done things a certain way for, for a very long time. By the way, Jim Gordon's amazing. He's been on our podcast as well. For those of you listening or watching, definitely check out my podcast, Inri, with him. He's doing some amazing, uh, amazing things. Change is hard, right, James? And so as I think of sort of the vision that you're laying out for us, and as I think of what it'll take to make that into mainstream available, where I call my doctor and, and my options are you can come in one-on-one, -on -one, but or you can come into this group therapy that's at 4 p.m. today. Talk to me about how do you see this happening? Yeah, so for the last uh, 10 years, I've been involved in helping doctors go functional and quit the system and start their own practice, practicing this new type of medicine. Um, and so, you know, on the private practice end, I think there's a lot of potential because doing group visits is not just makes this kind of care more affordable, but simultaneously, it makes it more profitable because if you can build 16 people's insurance for the same time of one or two providers, you know, you can see. So it's kind of like this unicorn concept where it's both, both profitable and um, affordable. So I think on private practice, I think we'll see the uptake there. But where my, my real focus is with this, this book is looking at ways that this will be, one, developed through bigger medical systems that serve millions of people. So, you know, the Cleveland Clinic is a great example in this book, but already there's an organization uh, actually just right where I live um, that has 20 hospitals, 350 centers, serves 5 million people and is Christian in its origin. And their whole ethos is about connecting people and their whole branding is together and health creation and they're all vegan and like, you know, this is the plan for them. And they're like moving forward with executing it into the system. So I would say as the examples of success, financial success and clinical success, um, you know, start to percolate through the system, 
that there will be widespread adoption of this because now it's in a in a package that is both uh, that is that is profitable. Now, in in the UK where I grew up, or in Canada, profitability is not that important because it's a single payer system. In those systems, I think it's going to take off because of the resource constraint. Right, you're running out of money. The NHS in the UK isn't going to get a huge check now that Boris Johnson's the prime minister, and so they're going to have to do more with less. And nothing says more with less um, than group visits. And so I, I think it's really well positioned to to take off. And I think as more and more people, um, you know, get this, that they will, you know, that it's a remarkable experience more than anything, right? And if uh, my favorite author is Seth Godin, he says, look, you've got to create remarkable experiences, experiences so good that you tell other people about it. And from just what I've seen so far in writing the book and interviewing doctors, many people have a really remarkable experience with this. And that, cow. Yeah, that, that makes me think that this is going to run downhill really quickly. Okay, okay. What about patient stories? What are you doing in terms of tracking results? So the great thing about the Cleveland Clinic is that Mark Hyman was super on point with making sure they tracked all the outcomes. And it's a huge deal because really actually in functional medicine, the outcome tracking is abysmally poor. Uh, and I would, I've been talking about that for a few years. Like your average doctor in a regular practice, in private practice, is not really tracking their outcomes very well. So that's, it's a big deal. But in the Cleveland Clinic, they tracked it perfectly. And in the book, you'll see uh, that they've had, a, they've had thousands of people go through this now so they can see. But essentially, half the people who go through that 10-week program are so much better at the end of it that they don't need to see a doctor. And that, that's when, uh, when I see they, they're that much better, that's five promise score points. So promise scoring is sort of a patient-reported outcome measure. And, you know, moving, moving anyone's health one point is very, very difficult in conventional medicine. So a, a five-point swing is really unheard of. And 50% of people going through that have a five-point swing. And so, you know, that data is yet unpublished. But when it does publish an earlier, last, actually last year, some data from the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine individual care was published and showed better outcomes than, you know, than conventional care. But this I think is going to be sort of a humdinger moment. And I'm like licking my lips, waiting for that to come out. So I think there'll, there'll be proof on that end. Uh, but what's also exciting is that, you know, you're starting to see different organizations, you know, roll this out. And I, I think that medical care is the best place for this to start, mainly because lonely, sick people end up in the medical system, right? And there's already budget allocated for that care so you know medicare medicaid health insurance like there's some money available to facilitate this care but the real potential of this community movement is not in medicine at all it's actually in technology it's in community centers that exist churches and um you know offices and self-funded employers and uh and community groups and you know, all places where community already are and, and taking that and, and really facilitating it. And you mentioned Joel Kahn earlier. You know, Joel is actually in the book uh, because, you know, he, he is one of the founders of the plant-based nutrition support group in, uh, in, uh, in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And that is a perfect example for me where, you know, you have 7,000 lonely men with heart disease showing up to be part of this group and it grew so rapidly and now you just have people paying nothing, supporting each other to get healthy, meeting in local groups, and transforming their own health at no cost to anyone, and just meeting with each other because it's valuable for them, and it's valuable for them to support others. 
And ultimately, that's more like the future that I see where, you know, technology to a certain degree can be used, but ultimately it's groups of people choosing to reestablish community for themselves because they realize how important it is. And so in your uh, perspective, this is really not a digital community at all. This is a real community. These are real people meeting in a real office or a real setting to interact with each other, correct? You know, so group visits are, are... you know, this is a this is a new idea, but it's it's happening and, and it, it's going to grow. You know, virtual groups are like bleeding edge, I would say, but I think there's incredible potential there. I mean, in the book, I talk about some of these groups. Um, my friend, Dr. Kelly Brogan, is is in the business of getting people off psych meds, and she found as soon as she introduced into you know she she created a course and then she put people in a Facebook group, and straight away she realized just how much power there was by introducing people who were trying to get off psych meds to each other. And that was in something as simple as a Facebook group. And so now I see that, you know, in, and I tell that story and a couple of other stories in the book where there's potential anyway for all kinds of digital support interaction, you know, uh, a zoom meeting where there's 16 people in a room um, and a, in a digital environment Uh, But even like we're seeing some startups that are really focused on a text-based community. So you're never actually seeing people, but you're having almost like a similar to kind of a WhatsApp thread with people supporting each other and AI being introduced and all kinds of things. So I don't know whether that solves loneliness. Honestly, I doubt it. I think one of the big reasons why we have loneliness is because we're not feeling people face-to-face. But at least people are thinking about it in the right way. And so, again, I see like if you just look at the growth of the sharing economy over the last 10 years, you know, the the one place that that really hasn't made it into yet is medicine. And so I think this is just a natural continuation of a of a theme that's gone all the way through society, which is almost like a societal reaction to the destruction of community. And over the last 200 years, you know, through technology and that technology is like first the steam engine, then the automobile, then the strip mall. And now Amazon, you know, we've seen a situation to where we don't need to know who our neighbors are. We can get everything we want, you know, through the front door in a brown box. And so, you know, so the desecration of community has happened. And I think it's just the natural um, sort of return to community. And I think that, that healthcare has a big role to play in the, in the re-emergence of community in this country. So let's take an example of someone who's in a private practice listening to this and saying, Tell me the details. How do I roll this out? So what, what is the rollout of transitioning from one-on-one to one-to-many patients look like? So, I mean, it could be if you're a practitioner or doctor, it's as simple as buying a group visit toolkit and going for it. I mean, you're going to have to have to do it at some point. But I want to share with you an example that I think gives, gives, will give everyone who's listening to this an idea of what I think this looks like at scale, where you can really get an idea of, of, of how this could transform a whole community and ultimately the whole planet. And I'd love to share this with you. This actually is not in the book, but I want to share it with you because uh, it, is, it is really an amazing example. So near where I grew up in the UK is this city called Froome, F-R-O-M-E. And if you just Google Froome loneliness, you can read all about it. There's videos that have been made on it. It's amazing. So six years ago, one of the doctors there realizes that most of her patients are lonely. And is like, I'm going to do something about it. So she hires a health coach. Uh, sorry, she hires a, a person to work with her and says, look, we want to do something about loneliness. We want to solve loneliness. 
go get them. And they get a grant from the NHS and they're like, let's see what we can do. So the first thing that she, they do, Rena, is they, they go through and they catalog every group that exists in the community. It's 110,000 people in these like three or four towns, the main one, which is Froome, but the area is called Mendip. So they found 2,000 groups that met regularly. And these could be, you know, health groups, gyms, but also things like bereavement groups and church groups and all any kind of group you could imagine, there was 2,000. They whittled down those 2,000 groups to 400 that were solid, that could take new members, that happened every week, that were, you know, not, you know, either funded or self-funded or they were just going to be consistent. They weren't going to go away. And they put those 400 uh, groups onto a website and it's called Health Connections Mend It. You can go and Google it and see it yourself. So the first thing that they then did was hire five health coaches. And those five health coaches spent half their time in the medical practices, seeing people who were lonely. And if, they were, if someone was lonely, they were referred them. They would help them find two or three groups that they could go and join. They spent the other half of their time in five talking cafes, which are basically cafes around the area that people could go in and meet with these people and just chat with them and see, okay, you know, uh, what do you need and, and get recommendations based on their health issues and go from there. So that would be amazing by itself. But the kicker and the next piece that I want to share with you is, you know, if you care about this and if you're listening to this and you think, Oh, how could I be involved? I'm already healthy, but like, I like what he's saying and I'd like to see how I could get involved. This is what I would say. They hired, not hired. They, they recruited, a thousand, so out of a population of 115,000, so 1% of the population, a thousand what they call community connectors. And those community connectors, how do you know who they are? They wear a green uh, lanyard and they have a green little button on them. And they could be Uber drivers, they could be you know, hairdressers, they could be people that work in stores, they could just be people that care, that are walking around the town. Those people's job is not to be a health coach, not to be a doctor, not to, you know, not to do anything apart from connect people who come up to them with the website and the talking cafes. So ultimately what you create is a structure where everyone is kind of looking after each other to get them connected into some sort of group. And the results are spectacular. 20% reduction in emergency room visits. And that represents three million pounds in savings. Right. Very, very powerful, James. Um, thank you so much for sharing that because I think what you're sharing really is the model of how we are all going to thrive despite technology. I'm a technologist. I've done five startups. Um, everything I have is because of technology and what it's brought to me in my life. And yet, you know, sitting here almost 50 years of age, um, I can't help but wonder what kind of a life my grandchildren are going to have. And how can I do something to create a far more beautiful future than what I'm seeing at so, present? Thank you for sharing that. I actually think that there's, that's something that we at Healed Circles have begun doing in a very small way. But I think you've given us something more to think about and chew on with my health champs because we have a concept called health champs. And uh, we, our health champs include doctors and they include tech folk and they, they include just regular folks from the community where again, the goal is how do we make folks that are joining Heal Circles, which is a nonprofit, uh, find those better connections and lead healthier lives.
Well, let um, me just give you an example. Like, first of all, you're only halfway through your career, if that, so you could do it. Like, and I believe that you could, and I believe that we can, you know, and just like, look at, look at where we are right now in this, in this country. Like, you know, we're about to have an election, you know, Bernie Sanders has recruited what 1.5 million people, donors and volunteers or however many numbers he has. Right. Um, whether he becomes the prime, the president or not, whether he becomes the democratic nominee or not, you know, those people are engaged and want to see change in this country. That percentage of people is almost the same percentage as in Mendip. And if we had those people wearing green lanyards and connecting people to a database of communities that existed around America, like that is profound change. And ultimately, there's this book that I read last year, which is in the intro of the book called The Third Pillar. And the third pillar basically says, like, the reason why we see that we need either government, let's say Bernie, or uh, markets, let's say Trump, to solve our problems is because this third pillar has been desecrated and that third pillar is community. And ultimately what's necessary is a rebuilding of that third pillar so that we're not as reliant on either of these things. And ultimately that's the opportunity in front of all of us and that's the opportunity that is shared in this book is that really you know, anyone can get involved in either being in community initially but also um, in also facilitating community. And so that's, that's what I'd like to leave with you and, and anyone that's listening, because ultimately I feel like that's, that's, uh, you know, that's something that we don't have to ask permission for. And that's something that we can just get on with doing right now. Brilliant. James, thank you so much for being on our show. I really appreciate all the work that you're doing. And we're going to do what we can in our part to help create this, new pillar of community that clearly we all need. Thank you so much. Amazing. Thank you. And for the rest of you, check out HealCircles.org. Let's continue the conversation. Let's see what can we do in our own little way to bring community back to life. I'll see you soon on another podcast. That's a wrap. Share your love with a five-star review and get show notes at healthbootcamps.com. Connect with us on Health Bootcamps Facebook and Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out other great interviews and subscribe to the Get Healthier podcast today.